Uh, I literally was out on a Friday night, stoned and drunk out of my mind. So with the best of motives, I joined a Bible study chasing this cute girl. Hey guys, welcome to Anchored and Devoted. I'm Pastor Jared. Whoop, whoop. And I'm Pastor Joseph. And there's one more pastor. How about that? We got there three is. of us. There's three of us. There's three today. in a box. Who knew? We could like actually a Dr. do this. Seuss thing. <laughs> and I, I didn't know I was supposed to have a little sound like Dave had or anything else, you know, or else you, I you, you don't need one. It's okay. I'll huckle you later <laughs> about not listening to the podcast. It's okay. It's, it's okay. <laughs> Just pick up one episode and yeah. You would have heard that, but it, it's 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 no shame, just all shame, a little bit of guilt. Um, we'll call it, we'll we'll define it as love, but that's right, that's right. Yes, but, brotherly but love, guilt, some guilt thrown in there. You know? just, just, a, just enough, just enough, just so you you can remember it tomorrow. Right. If you got three pastors together, there's got to be some guilt somewhere, right? So. That's right. I mean, you know, that's awesome. Hey. So yeah, we're. We are here, and uh, this is we'll continue with our um, interviewing Maryland pastors. So today we have uh, Pastor Brett Hicks. What? What? Exactly. <laughs> who uh, comes to us from uh, far, far away? I, did you? Where did you find him, Dave? In Maryland, <laughs> the happy state. <laughs> He's a very no, merry man. No, all sincerity here. Uh, this is actually my boss. This is uh, the lead pastor of the church where I serve. Are you kidding and, me? They uh, do that in churches? They have bosses? I figured everyone just passed around the offering and everyone just took what they wanted and volunteered. There's bosses in churches? That's where we used to that's where we used to be. It was a, the offering plate, the communion plate, and the bag of snakes. And you just kind of take <laughs> oh, pick the one right. or two that you pick, want. Pick the one you that you want. Close your eyes. You close your eyes. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Shake the bag really well if it rattles right, past right. someone. What did the janitor yeah. say when he jumped out of the closet? Supplies, supplies, supplies. (laughs) This is really bad. (laughs) This is so bad. And this is why Brett doesn't listen to us. Right here. (laughs) This is it. Right here. Like this is why. (laughs) So let's kick us off. Uh, Brett, just tell us a little bit about yourself. You've been here now at Bayridge Christian Church, but how did you, well, you've been here now for uh, 25 years. Is that right? 20, 29 and a half, actually. I'm 20, approaching 30 years. Who's, who's counting? Who's counting? That's right. Were you there at the beginning when they took the Ten Commandments off? And uh, so, something or? like that, yes. I was there when uh, they made the bronze serpent in the wilderness. Oh. You know? and, oh, okay. So okay. We, we have some of the ground-up powder there at our uh, at our church office. You, know, so. <laughs> you still have the staff that bloomed up? almonds and whatnot you still uh, yes we, we've got still it. got the, the secret thing that's right it was uh you know uh the indiana jones was a documentary until the part where they hit it in the light and the warehouse it's actually down in our church building oh, we've got oh, the ark of the covenant is. so there, don't there yeah don't believe the other stories telling you that they found it we've got it we know where it's oh, at. oh <laughs> wow the advantage of having an old guy around yeah that's, that's exactly it <laughs> It's certainly not for the snakes that were passing around. That's right. That's right. So how did you, what led you to into ministry originally? Was your background in seminary? Were you, were you one of those preacher kids, you know, pulpit boys, altar boy, yeah. or whatever? Uh, no, definitely not. Uh, I was actually not raised in the faith. 
though my parents are both believers now. Um, and they raised me in a very uh, godly manner because they had both been kind of raised in the church. But um, I became a Christian at 16. Uh, it was a pretty radical transformation for me immediately. And oddly enough, uh, I'd been saved about three months and the little Baptist church that I was part of down in Georgia, because uh, everybody in Georgia is a Baptist, whatever else you are, you are a Baptist. And so I was, and uh, they had a uh, youth week, they called it, where the youth were taking all of the positions in the church. So it was a youth yeah. choir with a youth leading and and they voted for uh, somebody to be the pastor. I was the unanimous choice because I was talking about Jesus all the time anyway for the last three months. And uh, so I preached my first sermon when I had been saved about three months and uh, used every Bible verse I knew. Um, <laughs> but actually, so I, I, yeah, I, I, had, uh, I had a number of people come up afterwards and say, you should be a pastor someday to which I kind of laughed, but uh, I started actually feeling God's call uh, that I thought that was what I was going to be. But I had the unusual thing that I went to an institution, y'all probably never heard of called the Naval Academy. Have you ever heard of that one, Dave? It was... No, no, <laughs> I went, no. Is that in Iowa? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and well, and, and of course, by my the age- Marine I went, Academy yeah. though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <And Coast> <laughs> so, uh, I went to the Naval Academy back when Admiral Farragut was there and some of the way old guys, ships were made of wood. Yes, yes, way before you did. Uh, After Noah's Ark, but before me. Yes, yes, yes. Back back there, you know, when, when we were still hoping to get ironclads. Um <laughs> So uh, I went to the Naval Academy, and but I felt like God was calling me to be a pastor. And while I was there, I became part of our congregation. It had a different name at the time, uh, but I began going to our church, became part of it. And uh, I rarely make this kind of a statement. So don't, uh, anybody who doesn't know don't me, don't it. overread into it. I'm going to read it and say it right we'll now. Keep it a secret. I felt only like three God... Yeah, I felt like God told me that I was to go in the Marine Corps, get out, come back, and I was going to become pastor of our congregation. And uh -huh. I'm not a person who says all the time, the Lord told me X. I can probably count on like one hand the number of times that I say, the Lord told me. But this was one that I felt like he told me I was supposed to go into the Marine Corps and uh, come back to Annapolis and become part of the church, and I was going to become a pastor. And that did, in fact, happen, uh, but it was uh, over 12 years later <laughs> that it happened. It was a long, circuitous route. Uh, the only thing I got right was that I did come back and become pastor. Every other thing that I thought was going to happen along the way, I was wrong about. <laughs> so, so so you basically just got your separation papers and threw in your application, hey, I was a captain in the Marine Corps, let me be pastor, and that was that was it? Well, I mean, I, I came back and our church was kind of in a not very good place. Um, and we went kind of from out of the frying pan into the fire, honestly. We we did hire another pastor. Uh, we'd been without a, a pastor for a while. We hired another pastor. Uh, he did some good things, but there were a, a lot of difficulties. And the church was uh, going through a Gideon revival. We were mm -hmm. losing a lot of people, including basically all the younger people. 
uh, were pretty much fleeing the church. And so um, I was there and in fact was even wanting to leave, uh, begging God to let me leave. Uh, and I was in a real crisis of faith by that point. I actually spoke to a common friend of ours, Jer, Perry Anderson, uh, at work one day. And I said, what do you do if you've built your entire adult life around something you think God told you to do? And now I'm wondering if I was wrong. What, what if I heard him wrong? I kind of wish I'd stayed in the Marine Corps. <laughs> Kept doing my Marine Corps thing because I'm not sure this pastor thing is going to work out. And literally uh, weeks later, the previous pastor, or, or he was the pastor at the time, called and told me on a Friday night that he had just notified the elders he was resigning effective three weeks later. Um, he announced it to the congregation on Sunday. The elders called me at work on Monday and invited me out to dinner and asked me to become the pastor. That's a setup uh, if I've ever heard of one. That's a setup. Yeah. Was, well, like the first question really, should be who's paying for this? Yes. Well, in a really strange <laughs> thing, honestly, somebody I care deeply about that was like a uh, she and her husband were like spiritual parents to me he had been pastor of the church before as a naval academy grad but we had not had any contact in quite some time as i was literally about to walk out of the house to go meet with the elders where they were going to offer me to be pastor she just randomly called on you know the old home phones when we had those and said I don't know why, but you've been on my mind and my heart all day long. I've been praying for you. Is anything going on? And I said, well, actually, I think I'm about to be asked to become pastor of the church, to which she blurted out, oh, please don't. Don't do that. <laughs> the church will chew you up. <laughs> I love you too much. Don't let this happen to you. <laughs> A ringing like, endorsement. Yes, thank you for the vote of God. <laughs> Truly God speaking. <laughs> So, um, so, but I went out and that night I was asked to become the pastor and uh, within three weeks I went from a small group leader in the church to elder to pastor. It was a shock and awe campaign, if you want to look at it that way, instead of a shotgun wedding. It was because uh, uh, we were so small at the time, I had to keep working my other job. Uh, Did you hesitate at all? Like, I need to pray about this for 40 days or no, no, nah, when he told where's my errand? Yeah. <laughs> when he told me on the Friday night when he called me, he actually joked because he told me this. He, he, he I picked up the phone. He said, hey. Um, and he said, are you sitting down? I honestly got a little bit. I was like, no, I'm actually studying because I had just finished a very expensive class on being a database administrator for Sybase, which is what I was doing at work. Um, so I said, I'm actually just studying these materials from this class I just finished today. And he said, well, I just wanted you to know, you know, I told the elders to resign. And I said nothing. I just sat there in stunned silence, which shocked my wife. And the man <laughs> joked and said, I don't think I've ever heard you quiet for this long. <laughs> which I was like, I don't even know what to say. But I had Saturday to pray about it. And uh, so I was pretty sure, you know, I knew at that point, if the elders did not ask me to be the pastor, that would have put me into a, a bit of a crisis, but they did. And my wife and I had talked about it. So we did talk over the weekend because she had known this had been my desire while we were even dating. 
And I said, so, but, you know, now's the real thing. Are you, are you willing for me to do this? Because, you know, this will eventually mean pay cuts, <laughs> you know, very different life for us. You were selling um, her on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was very, <laughs> you know, yep. She, uh, I had told her that even when we were dating, because I felt sure I was going to be a pastor. And I was like, you know, you, I, I want to make sure we're on the same page with this because this is what I want to be. Uh, what I believe God has called me to be. And my wife was very supportive the whole time. And uh, so now it really wasn't at that moment, there was just a lot of excitement and vision and hope and naivete, <laughs> not really understanding what I was getting into. Yeah. So let me ask you about that. As you, as you, you know, it's been almost 30 years and the church is obviously in a very different place now than it was then. Um a lot of that due to the leadership that you exhibited um, throughout the years, but especially in those early years to move through some of the issues that you've already um, alluded to. But what was your focus when you, when you first stepped in? Like, did you, what were your, your priorities and your, your big goals for the church at that time? The first thing was uh, that there was a sense of stabilizing us. I've used the joke that, you know, it was some like being offered the captaincy of the Titanic and don't pay attention to that screeching noise you hear <laughs> or the iceberg floating by, you know. Um, we, we, we had to get the congregation stable, uh, you know, stop losing people. We had, quite honestly, a terrible reputation in our local community, uh, some of it well-deserved. Um, so, you know, that there had to become some stability. Uh, there was not much in the way of relationships going. Um, and, uh, the elders had largely not really been functioning as elders, uh, because the previous pastor was really kind of doing it through Jerry, what you know, as our church council, um, you know, we had we had financial problems. We had, we had a lot of stuff. So the first thing was just some stability. But the biggest thing I wanted to do in that was I had a vision that the best way to bring health and stability is just simply start teaching the Word of God. That if we, you know, we all believe the Bible, but uh, I really wanted to give myself to careful exposition of the Scripture just teaching the scripture. I only had three weeks. I literally was like, okay, we're going to study the gospel of Luke. It was December when I became the pastor. So I was like, okay, if we start there, we'll kind of be doing a little bit of Christmassy stuff, even though our church didn't really do Christmas stuff at the time. We'll, we'll just kind of start there. And so I spent 49 weeks actually on Luke's gospel, just verse by verse by verse, which our church had never seen anything remotely like that at all before. Uh, they they all thought I was going to spend like three weeks covering Luke, um, you know, and then randomly start teaching other stuff. So I was just going to know we're going to teach the word of God. We need to get back to who we are and what we believe. Um, trying to get people to re-engage because a lot of people had just kind of were sitting and doing very little of anything. I wanted to get them to re-engage. Um, and, you know, uh, and me personally, fortunately, I was not an unknown person coming in from the outside. I was already known to people in the church. I had longtime relationships with, a, you know, a number of people. And so I just was investing in people as well. Just, you know, I'm here. I love you. I want to serve you. 
and we're, we're going to stabilize this thing and make it work and go. Um, From a leadership point of view, how, what were, what were some of the hurdles that you had to overcome? Um, you know, there's, there's always sort of those hard hurdles that everyone knows this has to be gotten out of the way and you kind of push them out of the way, but there are soft hurdles where people don't necessarily recognize that they're tripping over it and you've got to somehow disentangle their legs. Uh, what was that experience like for you as you were walking through in those early years? Yeah, I mean, I would say that uh, number one, again, we had, you know, we had a couple of longtime elders, but but they had been become very, uh, they, they had been more or less sidelined, and that was wrong. So I wanted to bring them back front and center. They were also very seasoned men. Um, and so I wanted their input and and help uh, to, to be there. You know, I, I quickly realized it's one of these things, you know, when you're a young guy, I was 32 at that time. You you feel like, you know, you, I know what's going on. What's the old man doing up there? He's crazy. And then all of a sudden when you're given command of the ship, so to speak, right. it was like, oh, oh, <laughs> What do I do now? So there was a lot of just realizing, okay, my youth. Uh, we had one or two people actually left the church because they just said this guy's way too young. They didn't even wait to even give it a try or anything else, uh, you know. So I knew that I, uh, I was already known among the people, but I wanted to, um, I wanted to take time to win the right to make changes. I saw some big changes that I thought needed to be made, but I didn't want to step in and start making them immediately. Um, I had a, another pastor friend who told me, you know, if you've got to make a 90 degree turn, make three 30 degree turns. Yeah. Um, you'll get to the same place, but you'll lose a whole lot less people. And I was young enough. I decided to do more like nine, 10 degree turns <laughs> to get where we got. And so after a couple of years, things were actually quite different in our church. But I had a few people saying, no, nothing's really changed. And I'm like, like literally everything's changed. We've changed almost everything, but you just... You didn't notice it because we kind of did it so slow. Were there uh, people that you trust. needed to help to find the um, oh, the lifeboats in order to move um, forward? There, uh, really, fortunately, there were not a whole lot. You know, we we had such a small crowd; many people had already left. We had a few people coming back in. Actually, mm -hmm. when when the other pastor left, they they came back. Um, there And there were a couple of people because there were a few people who, you know, inevitably in a time like that, uh, everybody's got their idea of what they would like to happen. Mm -hmm. And we had certain people that were wanting to create an expression of church that was not what uh, I thought was where we wanted to head. Uh, okay. So, you know, we did loot, including actually the person who was my admin assistant, my secretary at the time, they ended up leaving to go down and be with the other pastor down in Georgia. And they told me at one point, look, you're an OK pastor. You're just chocolate. And we like vanilla or vanilla. And we like chocolate, I think was the way she put it. And I was like, OK, uh, you know, and, and what she really, really wanted was me just to 
speak off the top of my head, study less, you know, do my, uh, you know, shout more and think less. And I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen ever <laughs> in any conceivable universe in which I'm going to be part. <laughs> will not happen. So if that's what you're looking for, I'm I'm Baskin Robbins one flavor. I just I'm going to be this. This is who I am. I'm not going that way. So you know, yeah, there was there were a few people like that that were not happy, um, you know, with some of, with some of my leadership uh, choices uh, and and the way we were trying to guide the church. But but fortunately, it was not really a whole lot because we had lost so many people. There weren't a lot of people to lose. Uh, at that point, I was more about stabilizing. And I would say the biggest challenge early was for the people who were left to believe that we could be stable, we could be blessed, and we could start to actually be a place that people might want to come. Because uh, to be honest, I had had the weird thing just a couple of months before uh, I became the pastor. I was part of seeing a guy come to faith in Christ, and my first thought was, what church do I get him to go to? He can't come to ours because it's not a healthy place. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. this is a real problem. This is a real problem. Like, you need to find a church, but don't come here. Um, I do like I do like that um, you weren't trying to leave your church. Yes, you were praying to God about leaving, but you were also still staying in our culture. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to just say, you know what? Very much Baskin Robbins. There are other flavors. I can get some ice cream someplace else. I, you know, as opposed to, yeah. am I called to this body? And it isn't yeah. simply um, who's serving the meal, but you know, God's brought me here to bring my gifts and skills and love and be used, not just simply what can I get? And so I love that, you know, for the new believer and for the more seasoned one, there is that understanding of it's not solely about my comfort. And on the flip side, when you have a new believer, being able to look at my house and go, you know what? I don't think you should come to my church. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm called here, but I really think we should <laughs> consider yeah. Get you and and there really was Dave. I mean that that was part of it. I have one of the things that has defined me is a uh, you know, and this could be uh, my own personality. It could be you know some of Naval Academy and the Marine Corps training that can do some strange stuff to you, but a sense of fidelity and and believing and wanting to be with a people. So uh, you know, even th that's informed when I became pastor. Um, you know, I've told our congregation, you know, Jeremy's heard me say this many times, you know, uh, look, someday somebody in our congregation is going to, you know, put me in the ground, <laughs> hopefully have a nice thing or two to say about me and then move on. And everybody keeps serving Jesus and go on. But I plan to be a, a part of our congregation till I die. Even after I retire, eventually, I just want to say, okay, I'm no longer the guy up front doing a lot of stuff, but, but how do I serve? What, what can I do to help the church? Uh, because I really feel called, and I've been encouraging other younger pastors in our area for years. There's too much of a corporate model in the church world. You know, I served three years here, and I'm looking for something that's a little bigger and better. And I'm like, why not plant and stay for a long time? Because it really gets sweeter the longer it goes. Uh, but, you know, 
my time has been really, really good, but that doesn't mean there haven't been a few rough patches, you know, where it would have been easy to say, yeah, let's find another way to make a living. Mm. You know, let's, let's go somewhere else. Um, you know, and that, that, that had begun even before I became pastor, I wanted to be faithful to our church, even when there were disagreements. Uh, you know, I'd gone to the elders, the elders knew some of the things that I didn't like that were going on in our congregation that I was like, this is why we're not doing well. Um, I, I don't, but that's not a sign just to run out. That's a sign. How do we pitch in together and make this work? You know, and one of the things that, that, um, uh, does stand out is that you've been here almost 30 years. You said, uh, at this one church, which is, it certainly happens today in our society, but I don't think it's the norm anymore. And because it's not the norm, there are things that you will have experienced and having experienced them will, will give you a perspective, a longer term perspective um, that can't necessarily be received the same way by someone who has not put that kind of time in. I'm curious, uh, how have you seen the world around here, our backyard change in the 30 years since it's not just the 30 years, but the 30 years plus the seven years plus the four years that uh, you've been associated with us. Uh, well, obviously there's been a lot of change. And if I can uh, jump in before I even answer that, what you're saying, I do really think that it's important. One of the great things in being part of a community, uh, I've got two things going on right now that are the benefit of that long-term. Um, we're, we'll, we'll be announcing this Sunday, but a, a couple of weeks from now, we've got a young guy from our church that went to the Coast Guard Academy is in pilot training, but he's going to be preaching a sermon at our church a couple of weeks from now. And his parents were the first couple I ever performed their wedding, that, that I ever did a wedding. How many times did you perform their wedding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I was one of both times. Sometimes they don't take very well, especially when you're young and inexperienced oh, no. like I was, you know. Uh, yeah, no, they, but they were the first couple I ever did a wedding for. And I'm also right now uh, having the joy of I'm doing pre-marriage counseling for a young woman in our church. And she was so excited when she told me she thought she was going to be getting engaged because uh, she'll be the first young person that I did her parents' wedding. Uh, I was there to hold her in the hospital when she was born. I've watched her grow up. She just graduated last week, and she's going to be getting married in the coming year. Uh, you don't get those kind of things unless you're around for a while. I, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a huge blessing to, to see that, but there's just no way to do it unless you stay around. <laughs> Uh, you know, right. to, to watch families and watch the kids grow. Um, so, you know, yeah, those things are, are the stability and the sameness. But there have been, you know, lots and lots of changes. Obviously, you know, uh, 30, 30 years ago, we hoped that we got a good cassette tape of the teaching and the meeting at the end, uh, you know, that that was a record, you know, in case somebody missed it or whatever. And obviously, you know, we spent time in recent years having to live stream because we couldn't even join together. Uh, we couldn't have even been doing this kind of a talk show. You know, technology mm -hmm. has changed. Some of that has made building community, I think, uh, even more challenging than it was 30 years ago. And that's been something I've put a lot of thought into is how do we build community? How do we encourage relationships? 
And I would say it has only become more difficult um, because people are getting more and more adjusted to, you know, social media relationships and that kind of stuff, which just theologically, I don't think are quite the same, uh, you know, practically they don't work out the same. So, um, so certainly those things have really, really uh, changed. Um, I, I would also say, you know, there's been some, you know, some of the things that that our congregation was thinking about and wrestling through 30 years ago, we were coming out of a more charismatic background, you know, so we were wrestling through a lot of things that were more in that world, which um, don't largely consume our thought now, uh, even though we still are, you know, charismatic in our, our doctrine uh, and stuff. Uh, they're not things that are up front on our radar and we're paying attention to. And I would say there's been a lot more, you know, the culture around us is obviously becoming quite different. So the task of who we're trying to reach is very, very distinct. And that's in a couple of ways. Number one, culturally, you know, there's been the rise of the nuns, uh, you, you know, the the rise of of ex-evangelicals and people that were part of the right. church that have left, some of whom are quite hostile. That really wasn't quite the thing, you know, 25 or 30 years ago that it is now. Um, so there's a lot, a lot more people now who I'm not part of a church and I don't particularly feel guilty about that. I don't need to, get, I don't need to be part of a church. Uh, right. So there's kind of a quote unquote shrinking pool. We've also had in our area, the uh, Latino population is booming in our area. Probably 10 to 15 years ago, Annapolis Middle School was probably 5% Latino or something. It's over 60% now. It's just been this huge growth. So, uh, you know, and, and so we've been having uh, families from Spanish-speaking, uh, you know, backgrounds where, where their first language is Spanish becoming part of our church. That's been part of what's going on among us. And, uh, you know, so I'm even uh, studying Spanish now for almost a year, which wasn't even on my radar 20 years ago. But it's because this is this is what's happening around us. And the church just has to be aware and think through that and look to that. So, yeah, there, there have definitely been a lot of changes. And, and that even impacts when people come in. People are just coming in from a very, very different culture. Um, you know, 30 years ago, there weren't many people wandering in the door that, uh, I, I mean, and I watched this happen. When I first became pastor, if they had been living together before they were married, they tried to keep that hid from me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then over time, they started kind of admitting that it was happening. Then over time, it became just a statement like, why would this guy care if we've been living together and not married? Uh, okay, wow, I am watching a shift in just the sexual morality and the thought. This was even among people, some people who'd been going to other churches, and then they would come in and they're like, well, yeah, we've been living together for five years. We thought maybe we'll get married someday. Um, it's just a very different cultural expression, but, you know, actually a lot like uh, the first century. (laughs) So it's kind of like the early church, you know. Okay, I got a question for you. Um, Tell me about how you came to Christ. And, you know, what was that like? What was going on? Okay, yeah. Um, So again, I had not been raised in the faith. 
uh, but I was living in Georgia <laughs> and very rural Georgia. So it was very odd that we were not going to church when we had moved down there. We had, my dad was moving up in the corporate world through Nabisco and we had lived in Chicago and he moved down to this little town in the middle of nowhere. And almost everybody went to church because that's what you do in rural Georgia, but we didn't. Um, but um, I was interested in this cute girl. We dated for a while and then she dumped me. And uh, so with the best of motives. So many Christian stories I, start this way. Yes. Sorry. I, I forgot to mute myself. I, yes. <laughs> I joined a Bible study chasing this cute girl. And I joked with our church and said, Jesus said, I can work with this. <laughs> this is enough for me to work with. So, oh, no. um, so literally, I, you know, I was kind of engaged and involved. Uh, I had started going to the Baptist church as well, uh, largely to bum cigarettes off my buddies. Um, nothing going on there. But what I did not realize was the Holy Spirit was actually working in me um, because I I literally was out on a Friday night, just uh, smoked a bunch of dope and drank a bunch of beer and was stoned and drunk out of my mind. Um, and on Saturday night, this Bible study took me to a meeting uh, where I was kind of coming under conviction. And then on Sunday, we went down to a David Wilkerson crusade. And what was kind of funny was I was even praying for a couple of my friends who weren't nearly as religious as me, that they would get saved. And it was almost like the Lord tapped me on the shoulder and was like, how about if we deal with you first? How mad you were praying for heathens and you were one. Like, yeah, yes, like that's yes. so great. That's so great well, right there. Then, well, what's, what's really funny is some of my friends then, because then on Monday I showed up at school with a Bible in my hand. And people are like, what in the world happened to you? Did you get some bad dope on Friday or whatever? And I was like, no, I got saved. <laughs> and um, and then some of my friends were like, I knew this was going to happen. And I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, when you were getting drunk, you'd start talking to us about Jesus. Yeah, so, you know, the Lord was at work in my life um, through all of that. Uh, because, you know, I've been kind of like, even, even when I was not a believer, if you'd have asked me, I can remember having thoughts like, is there a God? Yeah, it just doesn't even make sense to me that there's not. I, uh, yeah, I'm studying, you know, Darwinism in school and all this, but I'm just kind of mm -hmm. looking around at the universe and saying, mm, this really doesn't add up to me. There's got to be somebody behind this. So, but it was kind of the generic uh, you know, therapeutic, moralistic deism kind of a God, you know, he's kind of out there, you know, uh, <laughs> but he's not too, too engaged. And I, I'm not too interested in getting too personal with him. Uh, but through all of that, that's how I became a believer. And like I said, when I did, uh, I mean, it was an immediate transformation. My parents actually got a little bit worried that I joined a cult or something uh, because I just immediately started reading the Bible constantly and just into God's word, had an immediate hunger to read and study the scripture and know who God was. Uh, just, I mean, it was an overnight, night and day transformation. Mm. And, uh, you know, so, uh, so yeah, as all good evangelistic stories do, it started with a girl. 
There you go. If you want to become a pastor, yes. go chase a woman, get lit, let the Holy Spirit move, come to Christ. Go yes. to the Marine Corps, not the Navy, even though the checks are signed by the Navy. Yeah. And yeah, that's my dick, class of 01. And yes. that's hilarious. Go start a church that's dying. Why not? Yes. That's well, you that's, know, that's, the, how you, that's how you follow God. Well, you know, I've I've had a career, I've kind of noticed a life of coming in the back door. I was down in Georgia where everybody's part of the church. I wasn't. And then I got saved, you know, and, and kind of in spite of all that, I went to the Naval Academy, but I joined the Marine Corps. Um, Good job. Man. After I got, yeah, after I got out of the Marine Corps, uh, I was working for a company and somebody from the software department came over and said, how would you like to be a computer program? And I was like, I've had one computer programming class in my life and I barely got through that. And they're like, no, you'd be a natural. So sure enough, I did. I became a computer programmer and then they sent me to school for what I was doing. And then I became a pastor and went to seminary afterwards. So my entire life has always been kind of backing in, uh, you know, the wrong now, way. Now you're learning Spanish. Right. Yes, and now I'm now I'm learning Spanish with uh, skin color that I must be Irish or something in the background. Right. So, so uh, yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Well, for the sake of time, I have two questions. Uh, well, first is this: um, hypothetically, if you had a staff member who wanted a raise, what would that process look like? <laughs> What I would say is the best thing <laughs> is to start, <laughs> start, start a podcast and invite me onto the podcast and then ask me in front of everybody. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good way to do it. <laughs> that's also a good way to get fired. Like, oh, there you go. That's the second question. <laughs> now, here, here's the question. So you got, you've got 30 years in the trenches almost 40 plus years here in this area. Uh, I want you to, to sort of take us out on, on this idea. What surprising challenges have you found along the way that you would point out to either young believers or young pastors and say, hey, this is probably coming. Watch out for this. Here's, you know, be aware. God is, God is still faithful. What are some of those things that you've seen? And maybe just one or two. Yeah, um, I would say the number one thing is to, you know, just realize the longer you walk with God, the longer you serve in ministry, there are seasons in life, there are ups and downs. And, uh, you know, I've worked with a number of young guys who want to be pastors and do things. And one of the things that I constantly tell them is you've got to keep your own walk with Christ fresh. There's a huge temptation. This is speaking more to pastors right now, but to become a professional minister uh -huh. because it's what you're engaged in, it's what you're doing, and and you can kind of just become, you can lose the wonder of who Jesus is and walking with Him, and that's a huge danger. And that's a huge danger for, you know, any believers, and especially for people who are, you know. Their their full time vocation is in ministry. Uh, that that's a big big danger, and I would I would warn people about that. And I would say it's even the same thing. Even in staying in a church, you know, the grass can always start looking greener on the other side. And it's really it's not. 
It's actually not greener on the other side. Um, and and the the beauty comes the longer we walk through this. You know, we have a we have a society. Unfortunately, you know, I'm approaching 39 years married to my wife, which also is unfortunately much rarer than it ought to be. You should be married uh, like five times over by now. Yeah, I know that's right. <laughs> you know? Um, but you know, it gets far better the longer we go. But there's just seasons. Life is full of ups and downs and disappointments and good times and bad times. You just have to be aware with that of that. Roll with it. But the one thing is the phrase you use, Jeremy. You know, God is faithful. Uh, he's met me in all of it. He's been kind and good. Um, you know, to uh, to meet with me and kind of in the going back to the note of uh, you know how I mentioned that. I believe the Lord had revealed to me I was going to become pastor of our congregation. And then if you'd have asked me, lay out what that's going to look like, I would have been wrong on everything except for the final step. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All of a sudden it was there. I have found that so often in life, what I think is going to happen rarely is what happens. But what does happen is God is faithful no matter what. He's been there. He's led. He's guided. He's cared for us. Um, you know, our task is just to be found where he's called us to be, doing what he's called us to do, leave the leave the other stuff to him. Um, so yeah, that that sense of I just think it's really, really important in our culture. Um we 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 are we are so quick turning, changing, shifting, doing things. And the grass looks greener because we're so used to this thing and we want to shift and change. The, the longer we are in a relationship with people, whether it's marriage, uh, you know, people in the congregation or in our walk with Christ, the sweeter it can become if we just keep sowing into it, not taking it for granted. Um, you, you know, holding on and running, uh, you, you know, with that. Uh, because I think if we don't do that, that's why guys get stupid and run off, uh, you know, and 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 throw their marriage away or their family away. It's also why guys, I think, bolt and leave out of a church. Right. Uh, you know, whether I'm the pastor or whether I'm a church member. I mean, there's there's people that I, I've looked at and it's like, if you could just hang through this difficult time, you're going to find it so much better at the end. But that's just hard for us to do, um, you know, and that's uh, this is an ultra marathon we're running here. So, you know, strap in. It's it's not a 50 yard dash. Awesome. Thank you for that. For for anyone listening uh, anytime after 2027, that sound you heard was not a uh, text message. That was a bird. They're uh, <laughs> living things that used to fly around. And, and for sing. some reason, his window is open. Um, yeah, yeah. Beautiful day. Yeah. Whether it's fresh air or I don't know. That's, you know. Yeah, yeah, it is fresh air. You know. Well, um, Brett, thank you for coming on. Thank you for being yes, with us. Um, are, any things, any social things that you want us to plug for you? For me? Yeah. Yeah. For instance, I have a book and a baby. Oh, you can't have either one yes. of them. But no, no, no. I, I, I do, I do not have a book. <laughs> But uh, but we do have, you know, uh, the, the stuff on our uh, one of the things, because I was a computer programmer before uh, our church website has been and continues to be very robust with material. So I don't write books, but all of our teachings are out there. And that includes 
We've done systematic theology classes and church history classes and all kinds of resources. So if anybody wants to see any of those, they can go to drcc.church, uh, hit the teachings tab and find all kinds of resources. Uh, no, much to my wife's chagrin, I have not written a book yet. I know, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. I, I, I mean, hopefully we can get you back because I still got a question about why why it's called Bay Ridge Christian Church, but we'll we'll get to that another time. Um, <laughs> I, okay, well, and I can tell you, I wish it was not called Bay Ridge Christian Church. Oh no, oh no, you heard it here. Uh, no, I, I, I wish it were not. We're making These news. Are the, Yes, these are the <laughs> limits we have. I took much encouragement in reading the life of John Calvin a few years ago and discovering much of what he wanted did not happen in Geneva, <laughs> contrary to popular opinion. It's like, well, I feel better because there's all kinds of things I wish were not this way in our church. And here we are. They still are. And starting with the name. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. I want the I church of the a... shining star rising over the eastern gate. So it sounds, oh, you know, something very open to people. <laughs> Nothing weird at all. It's okay. Yeah. I'm just curious. But we could, again, thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. This was a true treat. Um, it was fun. We'll have to have you back for something. I don't know yeah. what. Um, please don't fire Jeremy. He does need a raise. Um, yes, I, I will be working I'll, on that. I'll, I'll, well. I'll talk to him about appropriate ways to ask for. I will. I will do my brotherly thing there and try to help him out. Um, I think you need to get Miss Manners on for your next. Guest. Exactly. Mr. Please, Manners please, please, please don't fire him. I humbly ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, thank you thank you thank yes. you this was fun um yes truly my pleasure guys you and your tribe and everything else and all the work you've been doing thank you yeah thank thanks you, a lot guys it's Absolutely. Well, fun thank you yeah so. uh thank you guys for joining us today you can reach out to us dankard and vote at gmail.com if you have any questions or concerns or if you want to send money to people who need raises but whatever you know it's the sky's the limit sky's the limit <laughs> <laughs> seriously we love you guys we'll uh we'll see you guys later <laughs>